Prime ministers and presidents may come and go, but the certainty of exemplary entertainment on the midweek drive and the midweek drive morning edition remains. That's Lily Holloman affecting an accent. the first royal marriage behind closed doors for 235 years that might have been deemed to be a suitable uh, melody hymn to actually play from that point of view I don't know maybe not Uh, it must have been a secret wedding because even Richard Fitzwilliams wasn't aware that uh, Eduardo Bapelli Mozzi was actually marrying Princess Beatrice of course the Queen's granddaughter you know, I wasn't, nobody was, and uh, this uh, is something that, as you say, uh, precedent goes back a long, long way. Uh, the pandemic forced them to postpone uh, celebrations intended originally, of course, the, the wedding was for the uh, Chapel Royal St. James's Palace, and then a reception at Buckingham Palace afterwards mm. for 150. But since then, as we know, Andrew's reputation has sunk ever lower, and from this point of view, it was the only way to do it. You got it, have the 
coupled hitching, yeah. the tying the knot. You had and the Queen and also the Duke of Edinburgh, which was marvellous attending. Uh, you had a small ceremony. You had government guidelines. Um, and, and, and at least you don't have to worry about, obviously, um, either uh, Ghislaine Maxwell or, or indeed Kevin Spacey making an appearance, really. So that's all good. Uh, well, that is indeed the case. But of course, we must bear in mind that it's going to be a whole year before Ghislaine Maxwell actually goes to court. Mm. Now, in that year, a lot of things could happen. And one of the things that should happen is that Andrew really has to break this rather silly logjam with uh, the FBI as to who offered what. And they, uh, all they want. They are, tar- they are not targeting him. What they want is, of course, uh, information that might be useful in tracking the accomplices of Epstein. And uh, this goes on and on. Of course, he's, Andrews denied the accusations by Virginia Roberts Geoffrey, but there remains that uh, embarrassing photograph that still haunts him. And the Yorks uh, are in a very difficult position in this regard. So when you have... Uh, Beatrice, ninth in line to the throne, marrying Eduardo Mapelli Mozzi, the property developer, and a very successful one, it seems. Uh, Yes, it had to happen. They managed it. Uh, Most of the headlines were the rather splendid occasion where the Queen knighted the 100-year-old Captain Sir Thomas um, and I think that, you know, we have the situation that, because uh, of Thomas More, but I mean, the, the situation where they got it over with, with as a secret wedding, and there really wasn't any way around it. The excuse, of course, is there's a pandemic. Well, there is indeed. But so far as Andrew's concerned, I mean, just one last humiliation. His personal website's been taken down. It's assumed if you look uh, to uh, you, the, those in the royal family. But I mean, uh, there's no question that he's in disgrace and will stay there, in my opinion. And, and no sign of Harry or Meghan. But never mind. That's uh, for another time to... Uh, uh, that indeed <laughs> is, because they have been rather active. Her yeah. last speech sounded like... Uh, I, I thought that the political, a lot of people have said this, uh, that it sounded as though uh, she would be very good indeed if she was involved in Democratic Party politics. Here's one for you, Richard, uh, a possible joint ticket for the 2024 uh, election to the President of the United States. Uh, Meghan um, uh, Windsor and um, Kanye West. I just put that to you. Kanye West. Walt and I, I suggest you write to both individuals. (laughs) I will look to that. Now, we move on to uh, Ian Holm, RIP. John Gielgud, RIP. Lindsay Anderson, RIP. Nigel Davenport, RIP. I don't have too many RIPs because uh, that dates a movie that I don't think has dated. Richard Griffiths, RIP. And so on and so forth in terms of this particular movie, which it has to be said, I'm not sure if I was taking a Prince um, Harry view on this. I don't know. I mean, look at it from contemporary eyes, emphasise contemporary eyes. It's a very, very white movie, Richard. There's only one non-white face that's actually in there, glimpsed briefly. Um, and, and equally, I can understand the furore over the fact that they played with history because Harold Abrams, of course, never did win the courtyard race. He didn't finish first. Well, remember, he finished a, second. a docudrama uh, does take liberties, and Chariots of Fire certainly did precisely that. Uh, of course, it, it's a film set uh, in the 
1920s, the 1924 Olympics is the centerpiece, and so I, I don't think that that would cause um, any problem. Well, I, do, I don't know. I mean, because it is uh, reflecting it, what the situation was it, at the time, as, as you know. I mean, uh, what the movie does do, I think it, it promotes the, the idea of passionate principle and individuality. Uh, you've got two inspiring stories. You've got the Jewish runner Harold Abrahams, who's challenged, challenge, finds the challenge to run to fight um, anti-Semitic prejudice, played by Ben Cross very well, and Eric Little, who runs for the glory of God, played by Ian Charleston. Um, Abrahams becomes indeed the first person to complete, uh, complete the um, Trinity Great Court run, as you say, he didn't actually do it, and he falls for Sybil, played by Alex Cricker, leading Gilbert and Sullivan's soprano, and Little sees running as a way of glorifying God before he becomes a missionary in China. Uh, his sister, Cheryl Campbell, sees him putting uh, his running before God, which he certainly isn't doing. But when they compete, Abrahams is to his horror beaten by Little, so he has a professional post. Um, if you can't take a good thrashing, it's come to a, 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 it's, it's just not good enough, as Alice Krieg said. Well, I have to say that uh, Ian Holm is superb as Miss Sam was Zambini, and of course this is disproved of by the. But he's professional. He's professional. Professional. I mean, dear and Lord. The age of the amateur, uh, the age, so to speak, of the gentleman, uh, and as Abraham's memorably says, uh, as he's walks out of, uh, I don't know, which has been staged to... Um, squeeze him, drop. squeeze uh, him. Benny, uh, I'll take the future with me. Yeah. And both are accepted to represent Britain at the 1924 Olympics. And here you have Little's religious convictions. He won't race on a Sunday. What is the solution? And what happens when Abrahams runs? All of this, the running scenes, I have to say, are extremely exciting. Uh, the musical score, of course, is immortal. Uh, that uh, theme by Vangelis is, uh, is glorious, and we've heard it so many times. And, That's uh, why I'm not playing it now. I'm playing Vangelis's uh, Harold Abrahams theme, and would follow with Eric's theme, because everybody knows the... the, the oh, well, I mean, the whole thing, um, it worked so well. If you were a patriot, you liked the uh, success at the Olympics, if you were someone who was socially aware, uh, this was a fight of individualism. Uh, and, yet, and yet, Richard, Variety, not Premier magazine, have actually gone on record as saying at the time that Chariots of Fire was one of the most overrated movies of all time. Why? Because they claimed it was one of the most overrated movies of all time. But why? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they were concerned about the. Uh, I mean, and I, I think actually there are, there are areas where when you see it two or three times, you can see. Yeah, I can understand people being a little bit concerned about what's very much a um, a portrayal of Britishness, which which um, uh, echoes that line of a, uh, a country staggering backwards into the future, looking longingly at the past. But then, of course, one would make the point that uh, it was a question of both figures of principle standing up for prejudice against uh, either an anti. Semitic establishment, or one that uh, would wish someone to abandon their convictions, such as running on a Sunday and so forth. I mean, uh, certainly the use of Gilbert and Sullivan and Jerusalem and so forth, of course. Uh, it, uh, there is a notion of Britishness in this movie, 
which actually, as you will recall, led to an extraordinary episode. When it won Best Picture, the Oscars... Colin Welland. Uh, Colin Welland had picked up uh, the screenplay and he unwisely waved the statuette and said the British are coming. What that actually led to was several disasters, including the film Resolution and uh, Revolution and and the Mission. Uh, The British film industry plunged into the doldrums instead. But there's no doubt that Chariots of Fire gives everyone, I think it lifts your spirits, I think it gives you an excuse to cheer. And when it comes to athletics, I certainly think that these days we rejoice as much as we ever did uh, when it comes to uh, sporting success, as we saw the Olympics and indeed have seen in recent Olympic Games where our fortunes are are meteoric. But it's interesting, I was watching uh, the real chariots of fire, and uh, they used to take several or some liberties in history, but it's quite interesting that um, Abraham's actually received his medal in the post. There was no uh, God save the king. <laughs> I mean, it was. Um, the Olympics was low-key in comparison today. Uh, but it was very, very interesting. Nigel Havers, who plays Lord Lindsay, and you... I mean, there's a collection of superb actors. Patrick McGee is a reactionary. Nigel Davenport is uh, these duplicitous F.E. Smith. David Yelland is an anti-Semitic Prince of Wales and, and so on. A wonderful performance by uh, Ian Holm as Sam Osambini. Uh, but wasn't sure I agree. Incidentally, I have to ask you, because you've been quoting and making comments mm-hmm. to um, stir things, but you haven't actually told me what you thought of it. On one level, I really enjoyed it. On another level, uh, yes, there were times where the reference to, obviously, our French cousins across the water, I thought, was a little bit pejorative. And I can see it, actually, from the perspective of contemporary culture, in which, if we're looking at cancel culture, which is clearly getting an awful lot of traction in terms of numbers of writers who are actually saying, are we rewriting this, are we revisiting this? I can see it actually being problematic in terms of being an issue where, as a movie, it projects whiteness probably much more than Gone with the Wind does. But that's by the way. Well, no, 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 I'm Gone with the Wind. Uh, wait a minute. Gone with the Wind was a movie which was pro-slavery. Uh, you simply, to compare the two, uh, requires uh, so athletic a mind that I can only say that it... <laughs> as long as you don't spill any champagne when you're leaping over those hurdles. No, that's but, I mean, that was true. The character uh, that that was based on apparently... Uh, it was based on an incident, Lindsay's... I mean, this is a drama, and you take bits and pieces from history and from various individuals, and that's how you concoct an enjoyable movie. I mean, it, this is 1981, it's 40 years ago, mm. uh, but um, it projected at that time, and uh, certainly I would suggest it was re-shown and liked when the Olympics came to London, um, it projected a story of principle. It, it certainly a- acted as much of a propaganda for the 2012 Olympics as indeed Henry V acted as propaganda in World War II. And I think on that basis, yes. Oh, on that he, basis, I mean, but then Henry V, remember the extraordinary skill without a budget, because this is what you're, you're avoiding. Uh, Henry V was, oh, sure, it was propaganda. I mean, Nijingo, but nothing like that. It was uh, like a ballet in the film and so on, and they used the globe stage. Uh, but the interesting aspect of Henry V for the Libyans, I got on Rioska was how ingenious it was because without a budget, what do you do? And you stage some of it in uh, 
uh, be on the globe stage uh, literally and then you stage others with these these medieval backdrops so that a person could be half the size of a castle mm. so to speak uh, very stylized and also you have the one scene Agincourt where you uh, uh, you actually shoot a battle but as I say as a bloodless ballet fascinating it certainly echoed and paved the way for a wonderful period in British uh, cinematic history where for a moment we thought the things were going to be great and then as you say with Hugh Hudson and Revolution actually taking on the ultimate well, iconography an, an absolute, I saw it I mean practically nobody's ever seen it have you seen it? I have just to wait and see what the sunsets were like when Hugh Hudson was waiting so often to actually get the right and perfect sunset uh, which together with Absolute Beginners of course uh, another classic movie often uh, forgotten and, and The Mission exactly. uh, all the three yeah. uh, and, triple and, whammy for Goldcrest and well uh, it destroyed it I mean the that, well, let's coming. let's savor our successes for a few moments before we move on to contemporary choice by listening to Vangelis Papathanasiou's uh, Eric's theme from, of course, Chariots of Fire. Absolutely.
It was probably because Ben Cross reminded me too much of Sebastian Coe that I wasn't really rooting for his character and was a much bigger fan of Ian Charlson's performance of Eric Little in Chariots of Fire because, of course, Steve Ovett and uh, uh, Sebastian... Um, um, I've forgotten to say his name again. The uh, Lord Lord Coe, Sebastian Coe, oh, yeah, that, that, yeah. that battle that was taking place, I think, at the time in, 90, in the 1980s, certainly 1981, uh, Seb Coe versus uh, Steve Ovett was often likened to being very similar and resonant to what took place uh, at those days, 60 years earlier, of course, the 1924 Olympic Games as opposed to the 1984 Olympic Games. Well, I think that uh, Chariots of Fire, very, very interesting to see if listeners would uh, like to experience what was regarded as, as I say, uplifting. I think it would, uh, at a very difficult period, uh, have more or less the same effect. I mean, I'm saying, of course, the film it weren't made today uh, would be uh, exactly the same, but then obviously 40 years ago is quite a period, equally, I thought, the various components. I personally think, Richard, they should recast with Kanye West in at least one of the lead roles. That's uh, You are obsessed with the American presidential election I well he's trying desperately to actually get Carolina I think South Carolina to give him the opportunity to be a late registry uh, and it would be most upsetting if he didn't manage to get there I mean particularly when there's so much uh, wonderful sensible advice coming out of the White House I, I knew I, you were feeling I, I, an affinity with uh, Richard, the latest I mean the thing has got so weird that there's very little you can say be- about before uh, we move on to the next case I have to ask the question have you got your can of Goya beans to hand uh, I, I can't I mean you feel there's nothing more that you can say about Donald Trump. And, uh, and then he tops it again with his Goya beans. He's, I, he's selling I mean, magic it, beans, selling magic beans to the world. Fantastic. fail me because, I mean, they did a long time ago because you, you think that you can sense that there's something predictable over a period of time when someone's been at the White House as he has. And of course, you can't. No, it's a gas. It's, it's only... But, it's, but, but, I mean, his campaign is such as it is for obvious reasons that we need not go into here, uh, it has been imploding far, and I mean... I blame his niece, of course. That's the challenge. When your niece actually comes out against your good self, who knows what's going to happen. It's just surreal. Anyway, at least least we can uh, console ourselves with the fact that we have a nice, sensible Prime Minister who obviously doesn't make any kind of crazy, wacky statements. I think we should head to Ireland uh, before you get (laughs) let loose. (laughs) Ireland with Calm With Horses, directed by Nick Rowland. And it's set... It's a rural Irish setting. And we follow a character called Arm Armstrong, who uh, is has a um, child, and the uh, his ex-girlfriend uh, is one of the characters who is quite sympathetic in this movie. But he is a very conflicted character because um, although his child, who, to whom he's deeply devoted, is autistic. Uh, the facts are that he uh, is linked to drug-dealing gangsters. And in that environment, even if you are, a, as he is, a former boxer, even if some of your instincts are perfectly genuine, you have to balance being part of a gangster fraternity with your fondness for your son. Uh, the uh, title refers to a procedure whereby young Jack calms when he's around horses. But what we in fact actually see is anything but a calm uh, movie because there are vengeful creatures conducting criminal activities and if there's, there's an abuser, 
Leon Carney um, playing Panagan, and Arm, played by Cosmo Jarvis, uh, who is the hero of this movie, he is told to terminate him with extreme prejudice. And what a load of sleazy horrors. I mean, one thing I have to say about the film of the sword, if only in real life we could spot monsters simply by seeing how ghastly and how sleazy they look, it would be a very easy world to police. We have Powdy, played by Ned Denny, and his brutal nephew, Dimpner, played very good performance here by Barry Keoghan. Uh, and then there's the middleman, Hector, played by David Wilmot. Uh, it's... Uh, a an intriguing movie, especially the character study of Arm, who is, as I say, a deeply conflicted character. Uh, the villains do look a bit, perhaps, too evil, but this is very likely. There's a certain gritty realism in this. It's, uh, you occasionally feel it's a bit of a docudrama. Um, it's pretty realistic and a claustrophobic movie, especially since it sustains its tension pretty well uh, towards the end. Of the, I, I, was, I was impressed by it. Um, there's a certain expressionless uh, quality um, of, of arm as we watch as Nemesis almost inevitably appears to be defending, uh, descending uh, on him. And uh, what actually happens? It, as I say, it sustains tension well, and it is extremely well acted. The cast are universally excellent, including the horrors. So I, you know, I was impressed by this movie, and it got a good critical reception for uh, the reason that um, visually good, impressive too, and in a small community. I mean, you get this, this uh, horrific claustrophobia uh, whereby everything you do can be spied on and how easily also you can be visited by gangsters and so on. First movie, in fact, his directorial debut by Nick Rowland. Do you feel he, it was a, an assured directorial debut or do you think, well, he had a good cast so he didn't have to do anything at all? No, obviously, uh, I think, as I say, uh, it was very uh, atmospheric, really, very good. Excellent. Thumbs up then from Richard for Calm with Horses uh, in 2019 was when it first emerged and uh, still echoing these days uh, and presumably available online or downloadable uh, and other such things if you wish to watch it in, uh, in your own manner and way. Indeed, which is a problem, I have to say, with a lot of films because uh, they are reviewing some movies in the week and in newspapers, but films that aren't necessarily available in Britain. Mm. Uh, the purpose defeats me because people will think they are, and then uh, you only actually get to know that they're not when you press rent. And thereby hangs the tale of so many challenges when it comes to this thing we call the internet. But never and mind. also the cinema, because with California in a second lockdown, uh, things are not happy. Don't worry, we can still connect with California via the medium of Zoom, just as we'll be connecting with your good self, Richard, in the next sequence where we'll be joined by director Graham Harper once again. Uh, Sarah Huntley, actress, will be joining us, uh, and uh, we'll also have uh, other insights and inputs into this, this future of the British film industry, uh, which kind of preempts my final question, really, but have you had a reasonably interesting telephonic link with us on the programme today? I certainly have. Excellent. Well, we're actually off to uh, speak to uh, another couple of final 
fine folk now who actually run a uh, a, a channel which features nothing but movies when it comes to uh, uh, detailing uh, classic movies from times past, classic movies and, and television. Uh, you may have heard of it, Richard. It's Talking Pictures TV. Yes, uh, I have. Well, there we are. They're on Sky 328, Freeview 81, Freesat 306, Virgin 445. We're going to talk to uh, possibly Sarah Cronin Stanley, uh, daughter of founder Noel Cronin, about what they're trying to do with respect to Talking Pictures TV and more. So, I take it, Richard, you will return? I shall. Splendid.
Following on from our film critic Richard Fitzwilliams, a review of the classic Chariots of Fire, we move on to a classic channel, which uh, is uh, uh, certainly out and about there. As we've said, Sky 328, Freeview 81, Freesat 306, Virgin 445, uh, a wonderful labour of love and certainly a treat for all lovers of classic television and movie. Uh, we're talking, of course, about Talking Pictures TV. We're delighted to welcome one of the fine souls behind aforementioned Talking Pictures TV, the wonderful Sarah Cronin-Stanley. How are you, Sarah? Hello. Yes, very well. Thank you so much for inviting me on. That's really kind. Genuine delight. We were uh, prompted by one of our uh, regular uh, producers who often sort of identifies key things from this point of view and was fascinated by your your story and certainly your dad's story uh, because what we got here is effectively uh, a a whole channel that's been set up in, in, in the shed of a of the of a garden shed with Noel Cronin and your and your good self Sarah effectively uh, restoring old black and white films and so on and so forth actually using pen and paper as opposed to all this digital technology we've got amazing yeah yeah it's it's um it's a channel we're we're really proud of what we've achieved actually you know and it's it's bringing British black and white films and colour films mm. and sort of good old TV series that we used to know and love back onto British TV screens and people think we're a huge company behind it. But um, but they'd be sadly disappointed if they came to the office, which is uh, uh, filled with film cans. <laughs> But, and film machines. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, interesting, uh, current news, uh, your dad's been actually looking at uh, uh, Jane Mansfield switching on the Blackpool Illuminations in the late, in the late 1950s. Um, I mean, at the University of Lincoln, we have MACE, which is the uh, media archive for central England, which carries a lot of news stories and archive footage and things from that point of view. But, you know, I'm, I'm conscious of the fact, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, there was a, a sort of feeling that we were losing an awful lot of film and television because clearly the film in those days, it was on a film stock which literally just exploded uh, because it sort of the, the chemical composition effectively would decompose and you, you'd prob that. So digitization has helped hugely in terms of restoration, but people still kind of miss out. I mean, you know, I'm, sure, I'm sure you you recall the uh, uh, the horror uh, about the BBC and, and the number of uh, uh, episodes and shows, including Doctor Who, etc., that they literally just destroyed completely. And now, of course, they're thinking, "Oh, we want them back." Oh, yeah, very much so. It wasn't just BBC. I mean, they were pretty atrocious at looking after everything, but, sure. but you know, everybody is um, is to blame. I mean, we're currently airing Sunday night, the London Palladium, on Sunday nights, and there's, sadly, only about 20 episodes out of the entire catalogue that survive. Yeah, yeah, amazing. So, in terms of the of the range that you actually work through, I mean, we had a one one question that came in from one of our sure. uh, our fine cells here. Said, "Is there any chance of actually getting some just Will- William movies around?" Yeah, we played um, a few the other day, just Williams. Um, we a, a lot again, a lot of them are lost, but we did mm. have just Williams luck on the other day. Right, right. Um, and the rest of them, of course, it's all down to rights as well. It's not just a question of can we find the physical film. Sure. It's um, can we negotiate the rights with the copyright holders? I mean, we're very lucky that uh, Noel owns an archive of, of films, and he um, he purchased a lot of the B films, the British mm. B films that people just didn't weren't that interested in in sure, the industry. Sure. Uh, so, and yet, presumably, again, for historians, uh, a huge source of social information and social data uh, about you know, how, in an era yeah. pre-social distancing, uh, when people were actually go to the cinema en masse in times of crisis and so on, uh, the, these have kind of gone and, and headed off, really. Yes, no, it's, it's, 
um, I think one of the biggest things as, as to why the channel works is because we, we bring that cinema feel back and everybody doesn't feel like they're alone. Yeah. I mean, we have these running jokes about, you know, um, we're up in the projectionist box and, you know, those in the cheap seats at the front, you know, can you not leave your, your ice lolly packets on the floor, you know, mm. and things like mm. that. So mm. we do kind of give everybody a feel that they really aren't alone at the moment and they're watching yeah. us. Of course, we sadly lost uh, recently Earl Cameron, and it was interesting that you uh, also can claim that you were the first British channel to reunite audiences with Sapphire, with Pool of London, The Woman for Joe, um, all uh, connected within that Wall of Death, uh, Earl's second pay job. So again, that's just one example of how uh, uh, connections can, can be brought to, to bear and, uh, and, and again, allowed to have a certain form of immortality. Yeah, very much so. I, I agree. Now, uh, looking at in terms of uh, upcoming things, Johnny Come Lately, Escape from Zarain, Straight On Till Morning, The Carpetbaggers, Fighting Coast Guard, Dark City. Um, I mean, these are many people, many of our listeners probably never heard of these, but I think it's worthwhile seeing what golden nuggets you can actually uncover, literally by just tuning in and seeing maybe some of the areas where, you know, it wasn't reality TV, it wasn't a case of an endless stream of game shows, it was something that kind of really had a, a sort of essence of, of the craft of cinema. We don't play anything anything like reality TV. We're yeah. escapism from, any, I mean, we're anything but reality TV and news, you know. You can sit down with us and you will spot stars that you'll recognise. Um, I mean, The Carpetbag is a huge film. That was Alan Ladd's last sure. film with Carol Baker. Um, so we do play big cinema uh, films as well. Um, but, you know, the beauty of it is you'd sit and watch London in the 50s. You know, you can park your car, you can wear your gloves, put your trilby on. And, um, and you know, and you'll spot Michael Caine as a, yeah. as a policeman at the back, you know, and then, and then think about what he went on to become. So, yeah, it's, it's, I think people watch it for different reasons, you know, not necessarily looking for the next big blockbuster, but having mm. said that, we do play great cinematic films as well. Yeah. We spoke a few uh, months back, actually, to uh, one of the, the people behind Network TV, and they kind of did an awful lot of things in terms of restoration and so on. Is, do, do, do you see that Network TV, I mean, obviously they release stuff on DVD, they don't have their own channel, but do, do you see them as, as, as collaborators, as helpers or assistants you know, in, in terms of, of the kind of stuff that you're doing? That's a difficult one. Right, fair enough, that really. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, Network are a great company, but yeah. they don't own anything that sure. they put out. Yes, yes. It's a bit of a different bag. Right. Though. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I tell you what, I'm, I'm not sure whether this is on the Talking Pictures uh, TV.co routine, but I'm going to do a little test. This this was a classic sitcom of the 1970s, actually late 60s, early 1970s. And, I mean, yeah, it was long before you were born, Sarah, so I can appreciate that. <laughs> but... Uh, are you up to take this little challenge and see if you can identify this particular theme? Yeah, was that a, was that a yes or was that a case of I'll just be careful on this one? Are you, are you ready for this? Sure, yeah. Okay, here yes. it comes. You may have got it instantly, you may not get it at all. Do you want some clues? Oh, I recognise the tune. Yeah. Uh, two lead characters in the main role. One was Barry Evans, the other one was Robin Nedwell. This was a TV series based on a famous of movie series of the same kind of name starring Dirk Bogart. Uh, oh well, never. I, I thought you might have actually. Doctor in the house. Of course. 
There you go. That's so, so okay. Well, well I, you see, this, you're too busy having to, to file the movies out without or doing all this stuff, theme tunes, etc. Clearly. Um, Clearly, we also mentioned that as well as obviously, obviously being a uh, free-to-air channel in terms of, of television, etc., you offer um, a service for people who actually want to purchase DVD copies. Would you like to just share with us how people can actually get in touch with yourself, of course? Oh, yes, of course. So, attached to Talking Pictures is Renowned Pictures, which is the DVD label. And I will run a free film club uh, with a free monthly magazine with lots of articles and special offers. And, um, yeah, you can give us a call, 0808-178-8212. It's a free phone number. Or just click online, www.renownfilms, that's R-E-N-O-W-N, films.co.uk. And are there any limits in terms of, do you say, you know, anything that's made after 1985 we don't touch at all? Pretty much, yeah. Late 80s would, would, is kind of our threshold. and But we also play silent films as well, so, you know, it's quite a range. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm just sort of wondering whether we can actually pull up something so you would be able to... Uh, here's, here's one I think I'll be amazed if you don't actually get for this one. Let's, let's see if we can redress the balance from the uh, the surprising sort of uh, uh, non-identification of Doctor in the house. Are you ready for this second one? Featuring, of course, Brian Blessed in one of his early TV roles, and, of course, Stratford Johns, and set in Merseyside. Any thoughts, Sarah? Oh, it sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> I bet your dad's listening to this, he's saying, oh, what, 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 it's, it's, it. okay, uh, second. I only Dead and you're absolutely right. It is indeed. Congratulations. Well done. Yay. The theme to that you see you got there. Back. I think it's the least we can do. <laughs> we'll make sure. A uh, socially distanced one, obviously. So we'll work, work through that. How, how has the, the recent thing that we're all experiencing, uh, the pandemic and so on, has that uh, been good news for Talking Pictures TV? Has that been a case of, well, business as normal? Or, I mean, what, what's been the situation, uh, as you said, in, in the bijou offices in which you work? <laughs> Business-wise, it, it's not great, obviously, because mm. we rely on advertising. Yeah. So um, that's not been a, a, a nice roller coaster to ride. Um, but audience-wise, it's been great. You know, people that are at home and, and have time to watch telly have been watching us, and that's yeah. fascinating, you know, the amount of people that have found us and are spreading the word about the channel. So, um, and also, you know, we receive a lot of letters from care homes and, um, and carers, and I yeah. think we've been a real lifeline for them. Well, the other thing, of course, actually, from a, a serious point of view, actually, uh, it's been proven that uh, associative memories and connections with uh, fond movies and images of the past can really actually improve the uh, the care and well-being of individuals. So, so in many ways, you should be available free of charge on the NHS. You know, that's, yeah, that's very true. I, on that. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, you've only got to look at our post bag to realise what a difference being able to access these on free view. Yeah. You know, yeah. people can sit back and enjoy something from the 50s, you know, has made such a difference in people's lives. Absolutely. Uh, when your dad came up with this idea, uh, was it a joint family decision? Did you think, Dad, Dad, you know, people do other things in their garden shed other than collecting old cans of movie, film and digitising it so on? What, what were your thoughts? No, it was more that we, you know, we really felt that there was an audience out there that wanted to watch this kind of thing and were fed up with reality TV and mm. 
how to make a cake and whatever else and I wanted to watch good old films yeah in which you can actually have a, a slice of cake and of course uh, you know watch a movie as well have oh, them both fun. have your cake, cake and eat it uh, a reminder that channels you can access Talking Pictures TV on of course Sky 328 Freeview 81 Freesat 306 and Virgin 445, so it's, it's either... Uh, any plans to actually have an online streaming service, or a web service? Or yeah, is that, eventually, of course. Yeah, yeah. good. Yeah, if you, you know, if you want to put a couple of quid in the pot, feel free. I, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's certainly that is a balance whereby we've, we've heard, obviously, the, the biggies. Yeah, the, the, dis- the biggest thing for us is we wanted to be free. You yeah, know, f- yeah. To, to as many as possible for as long as possible, yeah. and that kind of goes against it. But yeah, fingers crossed for the future. Oh, that's, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, I was a little bit shocked initially. You didn't have a Zoom facility. I thought, good heavens, you know, we've, we dun, could. Dun, dun. <laughs> no, just a telephone, a telling boat, yeah, we call it. Yeah, well, it, 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 it's great because, you know, with uh, the situation being as it is, the only time I go into the studio now is a Saturday. So we work through that, and the other sort of times are, are sort of set up via Zoom and so on. But uh, it's been fantastic sharing some thoughts oh, with your good self. We've got two final questions to put to you. First of all, Sarah. Sarah Cronin Stanley, have you had a reasonably interesting telephonic link with us on the program today? Has it been okay for you? Fantastic. I'd press the uh, green button. Oh, this is good. So, so, yeah, we live in a world of constant feedback, I know. It's just five stars for us. <laughs> so the next critical question is, can we prevail upon your good self and possibly your dad as well to uh, come and join us in the very near future? Will you return? Oh, we'd love to. Yeah, good luck getting Dad on. I mean, I'd, I'd say normally we'd do a lovely little lo- location report, but social distancing, that's what's going to happen yeah. for, for the foreseeable future. But, you know, hopefully, maybe 2021, but we'll speak before then in no doubt and uh, and keep us updated and indeed our listeners. I know that uh, um, that, that, that line about just um, just William was something which I think has given great pleasure, so uh, that was, that was something which is, is good stuff from that point of view, which is great. Sarah, Thank you for your support. take Thank care, you. keep on take keeping care. on, and happy TV watching. Ah, uh, thank you. It's almost as though we're back to a, a form of regularity, really, when we know that following the launch of the Midweek Drive Morning Edition on Thursdays, hello, welcome. Uh, we could also welcome back our ace reporter and indeed top journalist from, of course, Gibraltar. It's Gabriella Peralta. How are you, Gabriella? Good morning. I'm good, thank you. I'm still at home well, <laughs> working. So, and, and, and just think of, of the carbon footprint that you're saving and all of the good things that are happening with respect to that. Uh, it would seem that when you do actually uh, leave home, of course, uh, if Gibraltar are following the rules of the rest of the United Kingdom, uh, then effectively it's going to be masks all the way. Um, we haven't announced yet. Um, our mask policy so right now we just wear masks on buses uh-huh. um and in, when we visit the hospital but we haven't i know that the uk and in spain has announced you know um their policy of masks but we haven't um yet uh, or i well. don't know if we will i don't know going to change it so it's still a bit unclear what's what's going on well, the uh, suggestion uh, from Britain is that not only, uh, obviously, from the 24th of July, um, which is tomorrow, if you're listening to this, uh, so it's live sort of output, uh, then uh, you definitely have to wear masks whenever you visit the shops. Uh, it seems as though, as well, you're probably going to have to wear masks in offices as well. Uh, and in fact, it's going to be masks all over the place, really. So uh, um, I'm not wearing my mask at present, 
but I will obviously have a mask ready should we actually be in a situation where we need to wear masks even when we're actually in our own homes isolating communicating <laughs> via uh, visual screens etc because you never know it may well be that we do go our own Huawei Oh, sorry. It's a headline that I did actually appreciate in terms of the Japanese government and, and obviously, no, Lord, the Chinese government. I very nearly, Gabriella, in those few words, almost created a diplomatic relationship incident uh, by the, uh, the conflation of the Chinese Huawei system and obviously the other fantastic country, Japan, which of course has nothing to do with it. Just want to make that quite clear. So it's very important. Uh, are you worried about Huawei in Gibraltar or is it just a case of we will go our own Huawei as well? Um, not really, to be honest. I haven't heard anything about um, Huawei in Gibraltar. I know it's been um, in the news in the UK um, a lot for the past, uh, quite a long time. I feel like it's been mm. months or even um, a year that it's been on the news. But um, no, I know a few friends who have Huawei phones, but um, isn't it that they can't um, have updates anymore from, from Google on well, their Android system? Oh, um, and that's been quite a long time. There are all sorts of nefarious suggestions that are being put in forward as, as far as uh, the, uh, the company is actually concerned. Denied, of course, but, you know, we're in a strange world. Um, by the time, again, this is, well, I don't know, this might will be released slightly earlier, but I presume that phase six of lockdown release will have actually happened because looking at the Gibraltar Chronicle uh, for Wednesday, the 15th of July, I see Gibraltar is poised to enter phase six of its unlocking plan uh, actually on Thursday the 15th with just one uh, active case of COVID-19, even as the Gibraltar government uh, are stressing the need to comply with public health guidelines and warning against a free-for-all. Um, I wasn't aware that we had six phases. I thought we were just into phase four here, but, you know, is it a case of Gibraltar ahead of the game once again? Um, we started unlocking before the UK. Um, ah. Because we also locked, we locked down before the UK because we locked down at the same time that Spain did, which if I remember was about it was at least two weeks before the UK did. So um, we're ahead. Um, you're ahead in time. Weeks. You're in head in terms of yeah. lockdown. Ahead in terms of lockdown release. You're just ahead from that. Uh, and again, I'm it's very saddened to see the Gibraltar Chronicle actually using. Uh, the phrase that I must admit I'm not a fan of, which is "new normal," uh, in the uh, the fr in, in the headline, yeah. compulsory masks and one-way systems herald new normal for air travel. Yeah, that's a phrase that's used a lot locally um, by mm. our chief minister. He keeps on calling it the new normal, and um, that's what he calls it. We're locking to a new normal. Mm. Okay, uh, weather for. Lincoln, England, from Gibraltar, from yourself, Gabriella, is what? Okay, so the weather for Lincoln is highs of 23 degrees um, Celsius, lows of 13 degrees Celsius, and it's a day of light cloud and sunny intervals. And we just want to actually put the proviso that uh, these weather forecasts for Lincoln, England, are usually being given out uh, about a week and a day, in fact, eight days beforehand. So yeah. if it is, as I say, the 23rd of uh, uh, July, uh, then you just need to bear in mind that, that things might have changed. You know, we might have reached the end of the world by then. So uh, and I feel as though at least we've, we've got this going out as our last little statement uh, to the end of the world. Uh, so how is Frodo? Is he still effectively uh, reluctant to exercise? Or is it a case of until everybody in Gibraltar is wearing the new Italian design of a trikini? That's, of course, the bikini plus a mask, um, trikini. I have not 
but okay, I'm, I've not heard of that, trichemi. <laughs> Well, Gabrielle, you know with these links we'd like to open up. I don't think I'll be wearing uh, one myself um, unless there's significant sums of finance involved. But again, it's interesting that the trikini is, is uh, from the fashionistas beginning to open its way forward. Anyway, back to Frodo. How is he? He's good. He's um, still lazy as ever um, and enjoying this pandemic. That's all I can really say about him. He's just loving it. Um, all that extra time at home is great <laughs> for him. But um, on the trikini part, um, I know that um, in Spain, you'll have to people will have to wear masks on the beach. I think that's oh. a new, new yeah. thing. Hence, hence so, trikini. Um, yeah, you won't have to wear it if you're in the water, mm. which is good, I guess. Mm. But um, it will probably feel, feel very odd and leave people with um, very weird tan lines on their face. Yeah, well, so. you know, or, or indeed echoing the whole notions of pioneers in Australia or indeed cowboys in America or other areas where face masks have been used by people who are uh, out and about uh, dealing with uh, various uh, agricultural aspects as well. It's 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 a, it's, a, it's a strange and somewhat wonderful time. Um, in Britain, Gabriella, there's been a suggestion that Whilst people haven't gone crazy, certainly the cities and towns are getting a lot busier. Our Lincoln correspondent has been saying that it's been getting a lot busier and more hectic there. Uh, in terms of Gibraltar, I mean, has that been the case or are you still noticing a kind of reluctance for people to actually go out and about? I mean, you're obviously still working from home uh, and haven't uh, gone with the government advice to get back to the office now, um, which, again, I think is, is questionable, particularly when we've actually managed to invest in an infrastructure or at least have uh, moved our working habits and patterns to uh, distance working, not just distance learning. Uh, in fact, I've got two um, meetings and sessions today which are going to be uh, communicated via distance. So to actually rush back into the office seems a little bit unusual, but then with the current government, you expect the unusual. It kind of becomes yeah. the new unusual. Um, what are your thoughts, Gabriella, in terms of what's happening as far as Gibraltar is concerned? What's, what's the, the, the line there? Or, or is it a case of, don't be silly, I don't peek out of the house at all these days? Um, people are returning um, to offices now um, and definitely by um, because we have um, what we call rock unlock so the day um, where um, Gibraltar will be officially unlocked uh, will be on August 1st so I know that's the day that a lot of businesses are planning on having all their staff back so a lot of them are still working on shifts but um, in town like in our high street it's, it's been busy for, for quite some time because um, we've now had shops open. It feels, I can't say it from the top of my head, but it feels like it's been um, close to a month or a month. It's been before the UK. Ah. Um, so um, we've had shops open for quite a, a while. Um, so there was reluctance, I would say, like on the in the first week, less than a week, and then everyone's got used to it. And now it's pretty much got back to normal. I think what's missing really from from town is a lot of people like myself who are still working from home, who would usually be out, um, you know, getting lunch in the high street or, or whatever. But there is- It's not worth the risk, Gabriella. It's not worth the risk, however many locks and unlocks they put into Gibraltar. Yeah, people are still um people are shopping. 
as normal pretty much um, use your hand sanitizers when you go in the shop, shop staff all have masks on or they have um, those um, kind of like shields um, oh. on their faces but um, it's pretty much gone um, back to normal in that respect and um, restaurants as well they've been open for about a month now and um, before you're limited to six people per table but it's gone up now so I think you can have a few more. It's curiously, I think in Britain, uh, the people in the shops who are actually serving the shops or serving the shops or indeed serving the customers uh, don't have to wear masks, but the customers do have to wear masks again. Oh, we have an opposite. Yeah. We have an opposite. All the, all the restaurant staff and shop staff, um, more so restaurant staff, they'll wear masks. Um, but um, And in Spain, it's the same. The restaurant staff will wear masks, but um, the people at the restaurants won't because you're eating so um you can't wear a mask yeah that has actually crossed my mind but then again you know at the same time it's a case of is it worth the faff on when you're actually going into that whole press uh, system of course it is because it's saving lives we do in the indeed as the ancient huawei course would say live in interesting times gabriella have you had a reasonably interesting and semi-informative telephonic link up with us today. Oh no, sorry, it's a Zoomer. I knew I'd made that mistake. It's not with a telephone. I realize it's a Zoomer. Have you had a reasonably interesting Zoomer today? I have, thank you. And therefore, one of these days, I'm sure you'll put camera on. It's okay, don't worry. I haven't put my camera on either today, but it's, it's all good. I just don't <laughs> Yeah, I noticed all. that, so yeah, I thought yeah, yeah, ex Exactly, so we thought we'd, we'd hold it fire on that. Um, and will you be back again, same time next week? Yeah, it would be.